there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome to Special Teams, a production of iHeartRadio. Greetings and welcome inside the latest episode of the Special Teams podcast. I'm your host, Jason Smith, the man on my left, my radio tag team partner, Mike Harmon. Hey, buddy. This is one of the um, most interesting and uh, character-driven teams uh, of recent memory. And and really, the genesis of our relationship on the radio was focused around this team. Not the Phil Collins, but the genesis. I see what I did. No, nicely done. No, he's out on his own. He's still not dead yet tour. Yeah, that's what it's called, right? The still not dead yet tour. It's Phil Collins. How about that? Uh, Today's episode of Special Teams, in which we spotlight a special team from a single year in sports history. Could be a team that's won it all. Could be a team that... Almost won it all, could be a team that won no games, is we are going back to one of the best defenses we have seen in NFL history, the 2013-2014 Seattle Seahawks, who, of course, would hit infamy a year later with their failure to run the football in the Super Bowl. No, well, we'll do that another time. Yeah, no, that's a a separate one. The 2013-2014 Seattle Seahawks team that won the Super Bowl in dominant fashion over the Denver Broncos, full of twists and turns, drama, fistfights, interviews that go off the rails. This was what it was for the Seahawks, who come into the season under Pete Carroll as one of the top three favorites to get to and win the Super Bowl. The other team they had to get past... The San Francisco 49ers, who had won the NFC West two years in a row. They were coming off a Super Bowl loss of their own. They thought they were going to get back there under Colin Kaepernick. And really, this season was as much about the Seahawks as it was about, hey, Seahawks and 49ers, two best teams in the NFL, who was going to get over the other on their way to winning it all. 49ers with slightly better odds over under of 11.5. When you start seeing those numbers, you talk about dominance. You talk about both sides of the ball getting it done. And then once upon a time when everybody loved Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Uh, remember those days? 
It's a long kid, time ago. When Jim Harbaugh was, boy, he could do no wrong. Look how great he was in college. Look how great he was in the NFL. And then he started Ooh, fighting with boy. everybody and uh, problems. I'll tell you. This Seahawks team, of course, led by Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch, the stars you know. This was the breakout year for Russell Wilson. Had his first 300-yard passing game of his career in 2013. But this is known as the roster they had on defense and the beginning of the Legion of Boom. You know, it was kind of fun seeing LOB run all the way through the NFL and then, of course, breaking up because of age and injury. But this team on defense, this was Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Byron Maxwell, who stepped in at cornerback, you know, Jeremy Lane at cornerback. This was a really, really good team that, of course, was built from the back out, and it was the LOB that got everything done. Well, and the beauty of it was this became the model, right, of the current NFL that we're living in of how do we get things done with a quarterback on his rookie deal and draft well. And this is what everybody tries to do. Stockpile draft picks and see, can't we be the Seahawks? Problem is, you don't have the same personnel evaluators that find you value. Russell Wilson and most of the other players that came in those middle rounds of the draft. And it wasn't like they had a great draft this year going in. Their draft going in was okay. Their big move was getting Percy Harvin in a trade in the offseason. He was going to be the missing piece to this offense, and Harvin was going to be it. And boy, we got a lot on Percy Harvin. Yeah, he shows up a lot. But most of the season, they spent without him. He was at an injured hip. He missed a lot of time, missed the NFC Championship game with a concussion. I mean, this was their big piece. This was, you got the fastest player in the NFL. This is a guy who's going to tilt things for your offense because you didn't have that breakout offense, and they had to get along without him. Well, and he was the the guy, even when he was with Minnesota, same thing. He'd have these flashes of greatness for a couple of games and then unfortunately suffered through migraines and anxiety and your general football wear and tear that kept him off the field. But this was about the run game, and we always had questions about the offensive line, right? This wasn't the same O-line that got the Seahawks to the Super Bowl years before. This was a new let's cobble a front five together, and you didn't have superstars. So the story of the year going into the NFL was, hey, Seahawks, 49ers, this was the rivalry. We'll get more into that coming up in a few minutes. But the year that was of 2013, a lot of tragedy. A lot of craziness. You know, that was the year of the Boston Marathon bombing that took a lot of our attention uh, from the beginning of the year throughout. It was a very difficult year. We had the big the kidnappings in Cleveland mm-hmm. uh, that became such a big story. Ariel Castro, and, and it was so many shocking things that we saw in 2013 that look, obviously we didn't see them coming, but it was it was 2013 was a tough year. You know, and I'll never forget this. It was also the year Paul Walker died in, yeah. in the in the big fiery car crash. And the day after Paul Walker died, I was still at NFL Network, and we went in the next day to do the show, and we're all in the makeup chairs talking about Paul Walker. It was such a big story. And Akbar Bajabi Amila comes in, and Akbar and I, we talk once in a while, and Akbar is one of the best dudes in the world. And he comes in, he sits down, and he didn't really know a lot about it. And I don't know if he was coming from doing American Ninja Warrior or someplace, but he comes in and he goes, wow. Wow, that was that was crazy. Paul Walker died. We go, yeah, and we're t- talking about the crash. And I said, yeah, it was him. And I said the name of the other person who was in the in the wreck with him. And Paul and uh, and Akbar says, wait, what? And I tell him who it was. He goes, oh my god, that was Namdi's financial advisor. And he starts really tearing up because he and Namdi Asamoa are really good friends. And I, I at that moment we all looked at each other. I go. 
oh my God, I just told Akbar that somebody he knew died. And it was wow. just a very sobering moment there at that moment. Uh, other things that happened that year that are a little bit more fun to talk about. Twerk and selfie were added to the dictionary. Highly important things. Uh, I'd rather, I like selfie more than twerk. Why? Well, because I take more selfies than I do twerk. I don't, I really You haven't twerk. taken the selfies of yourself uh, twerking? No, no. I don't want someone getting on my phone and bringing that out to the public and suddenly it's, oh, here's Jason Smith, big time radio TV guy twerking. I, I, I don't need Maybe that. that's how we go viral I, I, and it blows up to the next level. I don't, I don't need that. Uh, Rob Ford became famous. Mayor of Toronto, who at one point there were two weeks where all it was was what did Rob Ford say today? What no, did Rob it, it Ford is good. say today? I mean, that's sometimes you like a little bit of levity in your news. Blurred Lines was released, which Robin Thicke is still cashing checks over and making checks out to other people over. And one that has people wringing their hands as it aged. The big Geico Camel commercial came out. Mike, 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 what day is it, Mike? Hump day! I remember threatening to kill you in our first weeks on air. <laughs> Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Mike, 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 Mike. Four hours every Wednesday. <laughs> and it was the debut of Candy Crush. Oh, boy. Which I am proud to say I have never played. I have never played it. You know what? I think you're a better man than I am. That was about the time I was really into Plants vs. Zombies. Uh, I wasted a, a lot of time. Of that, with, dude, don't start. Plants vs. Zombies is so awesome. And it's made for people who are older because it's about strategy, but it's also not about having to have lightning quick reflexes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. so you can play it really well. Kids and I play the, this game where you got like cat paws going after fish. That's Just, Hungry Hungry Hippos. It, it basically is with oh, okay. cat paws All right, on, on your phone. All right. That's one of the events. So that's what 2013 was as the Seattle Seahawks got set on their road to immortality. Coming up next, we'll break down the big arms race they had in the offseason with the San Francisco 49ers, their drama-filled game. It's the Seattle Seahawks 2013-2014 season here on Special Teams. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulges your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. We continue on now the special teams podcast as we look at the 2013-2014 Seattle Seahawks. Jason Smith, Mike Harmon, our radio show heard nights on Fox Sports Radio, 7 to 11 p.m. Pacific, 10 to 2 a.m. East Coast time. Hit us up on Twitter at How About a Fresca and at Swollen Dome. So the season for the Seattle Seahawks began how you thought it would begin. The defense shuts down Cam Newton week one. Russell Wilson has his first 300-yard passing game, albeit a 12-7 ugly score, but likely the Seahawks looking ahead to week two where they would play their first showdown against the San Francisco 49ers. And this one showed you that maybe a new sheriff was in town. They got a safety to start the game. They kicked a field goal. They got a touchdown run from Marshawn Lynch, and it was a very workmanlike 29-3 victory over the 49ers. Well, jumping out early and just establishing dominance. Russell Wilson, just get the ball to Marshawn Lynch, make a play every now and again. What didn't have to be on his arm, right? And you had beast mode and the legend of Marshawn Lynch and the grill and everything really started to flow. And this was one of the games that did it because it was smash mouth football, one of the hallmarks of Jim Harbaugh's run with the 49ers. And they just got outclassed here. It was a Sunday night football game. One of those games that I remember watching going, I can feel the hits through the television set. This was that kind of game. But this was what they had built up to. It was a big race in the offseason. The Seahawks needed to get better. They went out and got Percy Harvin. The 49ers said, we need to go get more help for Colin Kaepernick. So they went out and got Anquan Bolden. And remember, this was the heyday of Colin Kaepernick. This is Super Bowl, NFC Championship. This guy is unstoppable. We know Colin Kaepernick now is a, he kneeled for the national anthem. Was he blackballed from the end? NFL, but this was the Colin Kaepernick heyday, and it was how do we catch up to the 49ers? They have a better offense than we do. Percy Harvin, Anquan Bolden, and it was the rich getting richer. Well, and you look at the way this game unfolded is you only had uh, 16 yards and nine carries for Frank Gore, an absolute disastrous performance. Colin Kaepernick, 87 yards on the ground. That almost matched what he did via the air. So the anticipation, getting pressure, and really doing it with just the defensive front, right? They didn't have to bring a lot of extra bodies. That was one of the hallmarks of this team is they could play you straight up and didn't have to overload on you. And they did that in week two. They got out to a 4-0 record. And things are looking great for the Seahawks. No one's thinking, well, undefeated quite yet. But you could clearly see, here's how good the defense is. Led by the Legion of Boom, the defensive line was really good. And then they go out. And they play the Colts in week five. And this is a matchup of Russell Wilson and Andrew Luck, who both were taken in the same draft. And Andrew Luck wins this one. It's a bit of a shocker to think going back that Andrew Luck would have a big game. But the Colts were able to win this game and Seattle gets their first loss of the year. Functional downfield, right? 73 yards on a touchdown pass. Finished with 229 and two did Andrew Luck. Leading rusher for the Colts in that game, Trent Richardson. Oh, boy, back when Trent Richardson was someone who we thought was going to be good. 
he was still looking for his place uh, in the XFL uh, in their reboot. <laughs> but, you know, Doug Baldwin, leader for the Seahawks and, and Golden Tate in the receiving game, Reggie Wayne, T.Y. Hilton, one of his big breakout games as he became a, a regular threat for Andrew Luck. He had 140 receiving yards and that 73-yard touchdown sprint. So first loss of the season for the Seattle Seahawks. They did not lose again for quite a long time. This was the beginning of, boy, I could see the Seahawks winning games and easily see them winning 31-7 as much as you can see them win 12-7 and 13-9. They could win. Winning ugly, man. Ugly. And it was really ugly. I don't want to say that they were at times unwatchable. Oh, they were. But it was just really, I mean, if you like good defense, I, I like seeing good defense, but at the same time, it's, Boy, how many games can you watch that are 6-3 at halftime? And then it's 9-6, and then, oh, by the way, Russell Wilson leads them down, either throws a touchdown to Doug Baldwin or Marshawn Lynch runs in a touchdown. Oh, and now it's 16-6, and the game is over. Some might argue they uh, were the equivalent of a, I don't know, a, a bad soccer match. Right, that you're waiting for that one rush, <laughs> that one goal that never comes. He holds it's it. It's nil-nil, it's he done. He holds it. He holds it. He holds it. Remember the Simpsons? They go, no, Dad, put it on Put it on uh, Telemundo. He holds it! He holds it! He holds it! Yeah, seven games decided, uh, seven games won by seven points or fewer. Their three losses, seven points or fewer as well. So you knew you were going to come down to the fourth quarter. So they're rolling through the regular season. They route the New Orleans Saints 34-7 in week 13. And you're thinking, boy, they are just unstoppable now. Then the next week, week 14, is the rematch with the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers were the more desperate team at this point because they were 9-4. and four. They were thinking, boy, we're looking up at a new team. Maybe our window has closed. They were the much more desperate team. Seahawks were just rolling through everybody, and it showed in the game. The Niners win it 19-17. It was so ugly. This is the game that Jim Harbaugh said after the game. How would you feel about this? Was it fun? Was it pretty? And he said it was like having a root canal. Even people who are huge football fans, this was a tough game to watch. Red Bryant, defensive lineman for the Seahawks, said, I don't know if this was their Super Bowl, but they out-executed us. The final drive of the game, Frank Gore got loose for a big run. Phil Dawson made a field goal. They win it 19-17, and the 49ers know, okay, heading into the playoffs, which are coming up, we feel that we can still stack up with the Seattle Seahawks. Look, they gave up one touchdown, four Phil Dawson field goals. Phil Dawson, who kicked till he was about 48 years old. He'll be, he just uh, kept going. Eventually, he's going to back, right? It's going to be 2030. And oh, hey, look who signed Phil Dawson. The legend, I mean, between Cleveland and San Francisco, but held to 264 yards against the 49ers defense in this one. Russell Wilson, only a buck 99. And really, every once in a while, you got punched in the mouth. That's the way you played. And this was the team that was built to, to stand with you for the 15 rounds. And they certainly did it second time, splitting the home and home. We spend the entire year marveling at the Seahawks defense, how they would turn turnovers into points, how they would stop you from running the football well. They would stop you from throwing the football. They would stop you from doing anything. 11 times opponents were held to fewer than 200 passing yards. You've seen many times before teams be great against the run. They haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher in this many weeks, having it here. But being able to hold teams down, and this is the modern, the new modern NFL, which really focused on the passing game, because this is about when the running backs were starting to be devalued a little bit. A little bit. bit. I mean, you still had Marshawn, you still had your big 
uh, mail-carrying backs around the league. But right around 2011, 2012, 2013, getting in 20, this is when, okay, the emphasis became more about the quarterbacks, and it was harder for running backs, even when they hit free agency, to get a big deal when you thought guys are going to get a lot of money because it was, hey, we can't really rely on the running backs as much because guys get hurt more often. Well, that's it. Also, you started seeing the workload specialization. We talk about it in baseball all the time when you start talking about bullpen games and hoping a starter gives you six and then you got to have three forearms ready to finish things out. Likewise, running back, you started to see more teams that had three guys. Right, you had the pass catcher, you had the sledgehammer, and then you had the goal line back, right? The vulture to come creeping in. And when you, you look at this squad over the course of the year, they give up a lot of rushing yards. There are a lot of big games when you just look at the aggregate yardage, but it was all harmless because when it came down to it, it said, Okay, beat us. Beat us in the air. And you couldn't do it because they were going to be able to lock you down man to man across the board and look out if you if you went across the middle, Earl Thomas was there waiting for you. And Cam Chancellor. Both guys were going to hammer you. L-O-B. L-O-B. Exactly. L-O-B. We'll get to that. Uh, week 15, the Seahawks then thumped the Giants 23 to nothing. They hit a big speed bump against the Cardinals in week 16. They lose at home 17 to 10. And this didn't happen to the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. I mean, at this point, he was like, I think, 15 and 1 or 16 and 1 as a starting quarterback at home. And they lose to Carson Palmer, despite the fact Carson Palmer throws four interceptions in this game. They just couldn't put points up against the Arizona Cardinals defense and in a game maybe they were asleep they didn't need they lose to the Cardinals they would finish the regular season at 13 and 3 and awaiting them in the first round of the playoffs after having a bye was the New Orleans Saints a team they had beaten a few weeks ago 34-7 this first playoff game a little bit more of a struggle but this was a typical Seahawks game in which defensively they put their mark on the game. They got out to a big lead at halftime. They kept the Saints from doing anything until the Saints hit the fourth quarter. And suddenly Drew Brees came to life. He threw for nearly 200 yards in the fourth quarter and the Seahawks kind of had to stave off uh, the Saints coming back. The Saints scored a touchdown with a little bit of time left on the clock, less than a minute to go. Look, It wasn't a game that was close. It was 23-8. to So 23-15. Yeah, he had a couple of huge misses from Shane Graham that that factor in when you when you look at the overall right couldn't break through but on a windy day to uh, makeable mid 40s range go wide but you're still thinking they're going to win. Yep. Marshawn Lynch's touchdown run that made it 23-7. Pete Carroll is hugging everybody. We're going to the NFC Championship game and then the Saints get a touchdown. Okay, we just got to recover the onside kick. Except the Saints recovered the onside kick. And what followed is one of the more memorable plays in playoff history in which the Saints had a last gasp drive. Drew Brees completes a pass to Marcus Colston, who catches the ball at the 37-yard line, and all he has to do is take one step and go out of bounds. It's like the Seahawks were giving him that play. Catch the ball, 37-yard line, he goes out of bounds, there's five seconds left on the clock, and the Saints are throwing up a Hail Mary. Except for a couple of weeks... Sean Payton and the Saints were working on a play in which Colston catches the ball all the way on the right side of the field. He's got a really good arm, and they were practicing him throwing it all the way back across the field where they were going to take advantage of a napping defense because he can throw it nearly 50 yards. And this is a play where the Saints then catch the ball and kind of run up the field, almost like a Music City miracle. 
Colston just has to step out of bounds. You can throw a Hail Mary another play. Except instead of going out of bounds, he turns and throws it, but he throws a forward pass that is picked up by the Saints, but obviously penalty flags come down and the clock ends and the Seahawks go on to the NFC Championship game and everybody's wondering, what is Marcus Colston doing? Just step out of bounds. But it was a play that they had worked on. That was what they were supposed to See, do. See, that's it. I mean, that play was just insane. I'm like, I remember going, what is Marcus Colston doing? And then it comes out, oh, no, yeah, no, we called that. Because I've shown Peyton raise hands. Yeah, no, no, we were working on that. Now he did say, now the right play would have been go out of bounds, and we have to, we can throw the ball to the end zone. But yeah. you know that was the play we worked on. He did say we should have waited one more play and then called it because there was still time left. He can go out of bounds. You can still run that play again, sure, because they're going to give you that fifteen yeah, yard sure, out, hey, sure. whatever you're doing, and then catch you napping and throw it all the way back across the field. As long as you got the guy that has the arm and he knows to throw it. Marcus Backwards. Colston. I, I wonder if he knew, they do that at Hofstra, that he could make that That's play. a good question. I don't know. Maybe he was a uh, quarterback uh, for some flag football team now. So the Seahawks hold off the Saints, and they go to the NFC Championship game. They have it at home and awaiting them. Their nemesis, the San Francisco 49ers. This game, most remembered by a big play at the end and then an even bigger interview. We get to that and the Super Bowl coming up next right here on Special Teams. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new natural hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the natural hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the natural hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary, indulges your senses, and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. It was as if the regular season and playoff game against the Saints was a dress rehearsal 
for what was to come for the Seattle Seahawks. NFC Championship game, 2013-2014 season. They took on the San Francisco 49ers, their longtime nemesis in the team they had to get over, fittingly, to get to the Super Bowl. And unlike most games for the Seahawks, where they got out to a field goal, maybe a safety, maybe a rouge, and then they scored a touchdown late. I mean, we should have rouges in the NFL. Why not? I, I mean, rouge is a pretty good score to get one point. That'd be kind of cool. I, I, I kind of like that. Can we get the guy to do that hand signal like you're playing uh, Australian rules football? Oh, yeah, have the too? big, like, bowler hat, big on hat on. Make, yeah. He just wears, like, a white suit. Yeah. Like he's James Bond. No, like he's a guy getting ready to serve you a drink at a tropical locale. See, now I'm just thinking about Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom when Indy's in the white suit in the beginning. And oh, nicely Kate done. Kate Capshaw's singing Anything Goes. <laughs> and Short Round shows up. <laughs> and uh, hell ensues. Unlike earlier games, this was a game where the 49ers got out to the lead. They led the Seahawks 10-3 at halftime, and it was slowly the second half, the Seahawks reeling in the 49ers, but this game really was known for the final drive of the game. The Seahawks were able to score 10 points in the fourth quarter. Marshawn Lynch had a big game. He was over 100 yards. It was the first 100-yard back the 49ers allowed all season. So for as much as the Seahawks had a great defense got a lot of attention. It wasn't the 49ers offense. 49ers defense, people forget, was really good too. Now you go through some of the names that made up that defense. Patrick Willis was one of the best in the game uh, until injuries and, and everything piled up on him. Navarro Bowman, Justin Smith, Alden Smith, they were their pass rushers. Early Eric Reed. I mean, you just go through. You had a, a strong defense and, and that was the hallmark, right? It, not that you got great returns from Frank Gore in these contest that you you played against Seahawks, right? A bunch of carries for little to no gain, but you saw the breakout and Kaepernick as effective with his legs as he was with his arm most games because, well, they stopped the run and then he would scramble and, and get out. But the, the 49ers defense all year long, when we're talking about the historic comparisons that w- were made with the Seahawks, plus you had the personalities, Right, Patrick Willis was a great player, but he wasn't mm-hmm. in your face. Right, right. He wasn't a guy that that was going to hit the the network interviews, say something incendiary, leading in and you know, like leading into a prize fight or a WWE pay per view. <laughs> that you had with with Sherman. That you had a little bit with Earl Thomas. You certainly, when Marshawn Lynch spoke. There wasn't much to it, but enough to get you going on that offensive side of thing. But for that defense, I mean, we're talking 2,000 Ravens. We're talking 85 Bears. And you, you just look at where those numbers are. So, yeah, no matter what San Francisco did, unless you were matching that point for point, sack for sack, and headline and soundbite for soundbite, you were going to be minimized. And let's face it, Colin Kaepernick, he was the story, right? Because we kept talking about the turn of what quarterbacks were and how they were playing and evolving the game, much like we do with Lamar Jackson in 2019. It's funny you mentioned Colin Kaepernick because when it comes down to it, Seattle fans are going to remember that they made Kaepernick turn the ball over on the last three drives of the game yep. with a fumble and two picks. Look, the end of this game wasn't pretty. No. All right. It, we, we had, you had Navarro Bowman suffer a major knee injury in the fourth quarter in this game for the 49ers, but it was turnover, turnover, turnover. Kaepernick throws a pick. Cam Chancellor picks it off, but they have a chance again to try to win the game. The Niners are driving, and the pass that really launched the mini-dynasty for the Seattle Seahawks, it gets tipped in the air as he's throwing a fade route to Michael Crabtree, 
tipped by Richard Sherman, picked off by Malcolm Smith, and the game ends. And it's the Seahawks going to the Super Bowl, and everybody is in wonderment at that play because Richard Sherman's not in great position, but he somehow turns his body and deflects the ball up in the air. And Malcolm Smith, who was there, otherwise it just falls incomplete for the interception. But this is an incredibly athletic play by Richard Sherman, but he's not remembered for that. He's remembered for the interview following (laughs) the game with Aaron Andrews. Richard Sherman is filled with excitement. He does a fiery interview with Aaron Andrews that lives forever. Don't try me with a sorry-ass wide receiver. Who did they try you with? Crabtree. It was WWE theater. Oh, absolutely. But instead of being met with, boy, this is great, because look, the guy's fired up. He's on the field after the game. He's excited. They're going to the Super Bowl. He made the play to win the game. He gets panned. People are so upset with Richard Sherman for this interview, and and I remember seeing this and going, you know, there's real controversies when people say stuff and there's made up stuff. And this is a made up controversy because this is Richard Sherman just excited. Look, we've now seen in the past few years, defensive backs and wide receivers go at it on social media to each other face to face online. And it's something that we're used to. And I don't know why so many people just decided, I don't like Richard Sherman. Oh, I don't like that he did this. I don't like that he yelled. He wasn't yelling at Aaron Andrews. Aaron Andrews is asking him questions, and he's giving the answer. And it became the big moment of the NFC Championship game. I remember after it was over, we talked about it the next night on our radio show. It was a little bit about the play and mainly about the interview with Aaron Andrews. Well, yeah, exactly how everybody went off the rails thinking he was deriding her. Like she was asking a bad question and she was, he was disrespecting her and her interview skills and demeaning her. And the whole time I was like, no, she's doing the follow-up, but he's yelling. So it's just, he came off as aggressive. I don't know. The adrenaline's going. There was no 10 minute cool off period where he went and hid in the locker room or, or went and took a shower or anything. No, this is straight off the field, straight to the, the working Fox microphones and Aaron Andrews, you know, did the job. I mean, this was live theater and the emotion, that resonance that we have as fans that keep us cursing at our teams when they're playing poorly and the millions that tune into live sporting events time and time again. They're waiting for a moment like this. And a moment like this, some people wait a lifetime. Yes, they do. Did you really go Kelly Clarkson? I did. Did you really? Did you do that on purpose? Kelly Clarkson! And to this day, people don't like Richard Sherman because of that. Because of that. Because of that. He's done a lot of great work. Sure he has. He's done a lot of big things in the community. And... It doesn't matter. And any time you hear from him, it's always because he's extremely upset about something. Sure. He's been wronged or something is happening. He doesn't agree with something. And it's like, I just want a, a story where Richard Sherman is happy. No, he's never happy. Give me something where he's happy. Yeah, but where in general in society, be it news, politics, sports, we don't really give the happy a lot of run. We should. We should give it more. Uh, hey, when he did stuff like dressing up as Harry Potter for a press conference, sure. it's awesome. But I just, I bet, you know, look, maybe it, later on in his career, and he, and he has m- mellowed a little bit with age, and you can see him having a little bit more fun right now. But I think that was it. That, that interview with Aaron Andrews 
was how people saw him. And he became a villain. And I really didn't get it. And I felt bad because this is a really smart guy who knows a lot about the business of the NFL. Did he, did he speak his mind? It was great that he was able to do that. And I thought this is someone who you say, okay, he's misunderstood because people took the tone of what he said in the in the interview and just took it the wrong way. And I'm like, no, but just happy. They won. He's fired up. He just made a he, play to win. He made the big play in the one-on-one battle. He was out of position, body contorted, got enough of a hand on the ball to make a play, and it was sending them to the Super Bowl. This was their rival. Three games, very hard fought, right? First one, kind of easy at home, but still smash mouth football on both sides of the ball. They lose the rematch in a two-point loss, and then you get another shot at them in, in a conference championship. And the other thing with this team, as we mentioned at the outset, is you got a lot of guys that were mid to late round picks, that were coming together, and that was always brought up, right, as they were going through this season, that they kind of got pushed to the side a little bit, right, because they weren't the pedigreed first and second round picks. This wasn't a, hey, this guy's the five-star recruit who turned into, you know, a top five pick as a defensive lineman or the, the number one cornerback. They were all kind of pushed aside a little bit. So I think they had that chip on their shoulder, and in that moment— like that that was the Super Bowl as as we'll talk about in a moment but for for them i mean they 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 slayed the the beast that was Jim Harbaugh and, and the 49ers so now to the Super Bowl we go where they would face Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos, the best offense in the NFL against the best defense. And the backdrop to this game, it was in New York City. Yeah, it was. Nobody wanted the game in New York City. Nobody wanted the game. It was going to be too cold. It was going to be snowy. Richard Sherman, many other players, didn't like the fact they'd have to play here. It wasn't something that the Super Bowl was. It was met with... A sideways glance at best from the moment the game was announced, so much so that the NFL said, listen, if it snows, we will move the game to the Saturday before or we'll play it Monday or Tuesday after if it snows on Sunday. Now, luckily, temperatures were in the 40s and it was fine, but this is a Super Bowl nobody wanted there. And it was our first Super Bowl together on yeah, the air. I was in, in, New in New York in Times Square talking to crazy people in Times Square. Well, I had a guy do a freestyle rap. Did that? I was yeah. interviewing people on the street that sure. were just selling random goods. Yeah. I met Steven Tyler at a pizza place twice after our show ended. <laughs> Must have thought you're stalking him. No, you're the, that you know same. what? Dude. But you know what they were doing? They were the first night we go and, you know, you're out after our show ends East Coast time. I mean, it's 2 a.m. as I go get a slice of pizza and we walk in and they were rehearsing for Howard Stern's birthday. Oh, so it was a big okay. celebration. So Steven nice. Tyler was going to be part of the birthday celebration. But he ended up knowing the mom of someone we were with. So we end up having this conversation. Everybody's like fawning all over. I'm like, let the guy eat his slice. Leave him alone. And so the next night we ha- we wander in, right? Most of the folks I'm with are a little bit served. Uh, I'm just getting off air. I just want some food. And once again, there's Steven Tyler. <laughs> hey, Steven. Good to see you again. Dude, stop coming to Sabaros, okay? Stop doing it. It was just funny. Back-to-back nights <laughs> in the middle of the night. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> the entire week leading up to it, it was Peyton Manning versus the Seahawks defense. What was going to win? Because Peyton Manning was coming off a run where he threw 39, 55, 37 touchdowns. It was all offense that the Broncos were known for. And what happened? First play of the game. Snapped over Peyton's head into the end zone for a safety. If you needed one play that was going to tell you this is how the game is going to go, first play of the game goes for a safety, I think that was the play. I remember watching that and looking around going, 
Well, this just got really interesting now, didn't it? I mean, not often do you get to see the most holy of all referee signals a, so early in a game, but B, on the biggest stage. I like, really? That's their first play that snapped it. Manny Ramirez, not, not that Manny Ramirez, snaps it over his head for a safety into Manny Wood for a safety. Yeah, I mean, was really? he wearing the wig? Oh, but this is where Percy Harvin comes back in now. A guy who had been absent for most of the season. Missed the NFC Championship game with a concussion. Here he comes back, and after the Seahawks take the early lead, he runs an end around for 31 yards. That would lead to a field goal. Okay, so it's 5 nothing now. Another big run set up the Seahawks' first touchdown. So now they're up to a 12 nothing lead. Denver's first first down is at the 10-37 mark of the second quarter. The Broncos could clearly do nothing against the Seahawks' defense. Finally, when it looked like maybe they're moving things a little bit, Peyton Manning throws a floater, and this is the play that's known as the one that sealed the Super Bowl. Picked off by Malcolm Smith, he runs it back 69 yards for a touchdown. It's 22 to nothing, and the game is over. Peyton Manning, bewildered, confused all day long. Malcolm Smith, 69-yard return, and... Right now, the highest-scoring offense is just waiting for the clock to run out and just get to halftime, watch Bruno Mars, and, <laughs> may, and maybe find some way, some semblance of an offense to, to come and try to combat this. Because now, down 22 nothing, you're just letting the dogs loose on him, right? Immobile, and just saying, all right, Peyton, it's on you. They're D, they're D, made me look like I'm not trying. They're D. They're... So we go to halftime, and it's clearly all Seattle, and it's good defense beats good offense, and it's an exclamation point on the season for the Seahawks. Opening kickoff of the second half, Denver doesn't want to kick it deep to Percy Harvin, so they kick it short. Doesn't matter. Harvin returns the second half kickoff for a touchdown, 87 yards. It's 29 to nothing, and it's now a rout at this point. The final score would be 43 to 8. Denver would finally get in the end zone. Seattle would score a couple more times. It was never close. Malcolm Smith is the MVP. And I see why, because the 69-yard touchdown was the defining game is overplay. But you know what? I think Percy Harvin should have been the MVP. He turned out to be their leading rusher because, oh, by the way, it wasn't a great game running the football for Marshawn Lynch. He's their leading rusher. He had the kickoff return for a touchdown. Maybe it was a bit of I don't want to give a special teams guy the MVP, but, you know, like I said, his two big rushing plays led to scores in the first half when this was still a game. I thought Percy Harvin should have been the MVP. Two carries, 45 yards, the long of 30. I really thought this was going to be an occasion to just say, it's been the year of your defense here, and you guys can fight for it. Mm-hmm. Whoever is the last man standing holding the trophy. And they, they give it to Malcolm Smith, fine, 69-yard touchdown off the interception. To your point, you know, Percy Harvin and the big plays and the punctuation mark certainly to deflate any hope of a second-half comeback. But I just thought it would have been appropriate to say, you know what, this defense absolutely obliterated Peyton Manning the entire way. All of you come here, give us the requisite money, and we'll send you a copy of the trophy. We don't have enough cars. I mean, Chevrolet didn't give us enough cars. No, 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 no. Again, I mean, they can play rock, paper, scissors. We can have a little battle royale, get a little WWE tie-in on the back end, whatever works. But it really was just a testament to what this defense was. Here was Peyton Manning set up to have this run, right? The big force, immovable object, and and they got absolutely flattened. 
The big drama of this Super Bowl came well after. Speaking of Percy Harvin, who never really had the career we thought he was going to have, he spent some time. That was he says his time in Seattle was miserable. He went on to the Jets. He went on to have retire. He had emotional issues that he's talked about in mm-hmm. subsequent interviews. But this was the game that we found out after he and Golden Tate, wide receiver for the Seahawks at the time, got in a fist fight after a promotional appearance before the Super Bowl. We didn't know why they had fought at the time. There were all these rumors out there. What is it? Why did they fight? And it took till 2019 when Percy Harvin said, hey, I didn't like the fact that Golden Tate said, oh, Percy Harvin's back. Will he be a difference? We've played in one without him all year, so it doesn't matter. He confronted Golden Tate, punched him. Now there's- Did he put him in a trash can? Well, there's there's- there's different accounts that say he was put in a trash can and not. He's had a couple of teammates say that's what the fracas was all about, was Percy Arvin didn't like Golden Tate saying, we're winning without you, we don't need you for the Super Bowl. But this became a whole big thing of, was it about Russell Wilson and, and all these crazy things? And this is the version that has been accepted, just didn't like what Golden Tate said. And to this day, Golden Tate says, hey, a lot of stuff was said, but PH is still my guy. It's like, well, okay, they won the Super Bowl and Harvin was really good. So I guess bygones are bygones for that. He got his ring. So when we look back at the three best defenses in NFL history, the general consensus in some order is the 85 Bears, the 2000 Ravens, and the 2013-2014 Seahawks. This is a championship for the Seahawks, but what has happened to some of the players in the ensuing years? Time now for Where Are They Now? Off. Well, we talked about Percy Harvin a lot. So, as you mentioned, well, he said he played every game high. Migraines, yeah. anxiety, yeah. And, and just issues in general. He, he liked like the weed. So I know that a lot was, of people who went through college like that. I know a lot of people that go through their working lives. <laughs> that didn't play games. That just were high every day. That's okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, in their heads, there were probably some games going on as well. Uh, you got Tavares Jackson. He was the backup to Russell Wilson. T-Jack! He is a graduate assistant at Alabama State. Kristen Michael, he was one of the rookies that year, second-round pick. Well, after six stops, including twice in Seattle, he was the number six skill position player in phase one of the XFL draft. Oh, phase Del Boca Vista phase one, Kramer. He goes to the St. Louis Battlehawks. How about that? A Battlehawks, pretty good name. I'm just picturing a hawk like with a lot of armor on them. Like it's straight out of He-Man. Yeah. Uh, you got Bruno Giacomini. Ex-Jet. Uh, Brazilian descent. Yeah. Uh, he and Gary Barnage, right? Former mm-hmm. tight end. They had a, a deal called American Football Without Borders. And they were teaching football across the globe. After he retired, went back to doing that. He's on the executive board, came over from Green Bay, became part of this team, started, and then eventually was a New York football jet. You know, and I remember when he was a jet, he actually, he was doing like online dating or something. And he put his profile out there and he put out there that he did something different. Like he was in sanitation or something because he didn't want people to date him thinking, oh, this is a football player. I make a lot of money. Sure. So he put in that like, he did something completely different just so he could meet a a better, you know, a more real group of women. Now, if you were hanging out and you ran sanitation, I mean, we've seen enough TV shows and movies where maybe that was a well, very no, no, I'm not saying he, no, no, I, I don't mean he was like, you know, no, come on now. Woke up that. this morning. It was a fake uh, profile. <laughs> Marshawn Lynch. Well, Beast Mode brand continues. Uh, and then Beast Mobile. If you need uh, a cell phone contract, that's still going. Of course, the family first, family foundation. 
Shout out Oakland, California. Finally, Shout out West Dan Point. Morgan, number 11 pick by Carolina all the way back in 2001, played and was a pro bowler in the NFL. He was the uh, AD of pro personnel for this Seahawks squad. And as of you and I speaking, running player personnel and building the Buffalo Bills. Wow. How about that? Wow. Pro Bowl linebacker goes and becomes a personnel director. So that is our look at the legendary year of the 2013-2014 Seattle Seahawks. I'm Jason Smith. He is Mike Harmon. You can hit us up on social media, on Twitter, at HowAboutAFresca. It's Caddyshack. Mike is at Swollen Dome. It's I got a, a fantasy head. thing. Yeah. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Let us know who you would like us to spotlight on a future edition of the Special Teams Podcast. Before you go, rate and review the show, whether you're listening on iHeartRadio, iHeartRadio apps, Apple, whatever it is. Give us a rate. Tell us you like it. We will love you forever and ever and ever. Special Teams is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.